we got a call uh, that there was a, a woman, a pregnant woman, cardiac arrest. We arrived, the BLS crew was working on the patient. I just looked at it and was like, yeah, it's a cardiac arrest. Uh, on the monitor, it was asystole. Okay. So I just opened the pack, got my scalpel and went for the, the belly. I'm not just opening someone dead. I'm trying to save both mom and baby. Mm. I chose to try to do one well done then rather than to half-ass. Welcome to the ED Jam. deals with some pretty heavy content uh, and I always want to make sure that you're in the right headspace before you click uh, to play. You. You. Um, you. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, I'm recording again uh, today uh, and we have an amazing guest on. Now I'm probably not going to pronounce this right. I've tried twice. I've failed both times um, but welcome to the podcast Gilemir but you're going to say it a bit better than me. Um Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the EDGM. What's your name, bro? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for receiving me. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm Brazilian, so Portuguese is a rather difficult language, and we have like some sounds that are ours. So my name is Guilherme. Uh, you can call me Gui or Will or whatever you you want. Just I'll try. Is also okay. <laughs> I love it, dude. And dude, it's so good. Time difference here. I'm sitting uh, in Sydney, Australia, and it's 10 a.m. You're at night. Um, getting close to 10 or 9 p.m. at night. Um, yeah, yep. so, dude, thanks for the time difference uh, and for coming on. Um, first of all, let's get to know you. Um, where do you live and what do you do for work, bro? So I live in the south of Brazil uh, in a city called Itajaí. It's uh, like some, I think we are around 200K inhabitants here. So not a big city, uh, but in our state, it's a rather big one. Mm -hmm. um, it's um in the summer we it's a beach so we <laughs> we have a lot of tourists and in in the summer our population i live like itajaí is really close to one of the the big summer cities and yep. the summer our population is like 10 times oh well wow. as high yeah uh, the city nearby it's like in the winter 50k and in the summer over 1 million so it's whoa yeah it's kind of crazy yeah a, you can tell i'm a bit of a surf i love my i love my um you know love my waves so i generally try and go i didn't know you you also had beaches where you could surf i heard that in some either you had like giant uh crocodiles or yeah. sharks or it was too cold <laughs> it's got a mix man i'm pretty we're pretty lucky but you're right there are some big animals in the ocean and and on land we've got a couple of deadly snakes which you've got to be a bit wary of um but dude what do you do for work day to day um right now we're chatting on on a podcast but um what do you do um day in day out so i'm an emergency physician uh here in brazil it's, a, it's the newest specialty medical specialty we have 
so uh, right now I I quit working in hospitals. I'm like a out of hospital guy. I yeah. love I've been working on EMS and helicopter EMS like for good part maybe eight years or so. Oh well. Wow. And right right now I work both ground and air ambos. And I'm also a teacher in our local university here teaching emergency. Awesome, dude. That's so good. Do you love being, do you love flying? Like when you, when you put on your suit, you got your headset on, like we got now, uh, the chopper starts to take off. Do you still get excited? Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm a little biased on that. Cause when I was a kid, uh, I, I was a Top Gun buff. So <laughs> like my, my favorite movie was Top Gun. I yeah. even tried to be a pilot, but the shrink said I couldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I, 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 for me, this is like the best job ever because I can do two things I really love. That's flying and emergency. So yeah, I'm really happy. Oh, I think they're the top gun of the world, man. Getting out of it, like paramedics and, and doctors that jump out of the helicopter. You don't only have the, all the gear on, but you've got a scalpel in your hand or, or a laryngoscope or something to decompress. It looks pretty cool if you ask me. But um, uh, now, dude, the way I found out about you, um, on you've got a very good online presence. You put some pretty cool videos up um, and I read Thanks. a case from you that was put up um, and we're going to chat about it today. Um, and I thought it was amazing. And dude, you responded straight back and you said, yeah, let's chat about it on a case. Um, and we're going to chat about that today. Um, and what was the case um, titled that you put up the post? Oh yeah. The, it was not my post, but uh, the, the pre-hospitalist, she's great. Her content yeah. is amazing. And, I talked to her a lot and discussed the case and she said, Hey, can you do a small report for me so I can publish? Like, yeah, why not? I think it's an interesting case and I really think we, we should talk about it. So mm. I wrote about uh, resuscitative, resuscitative, sorry, English is not my first language. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, man, I'm, I'm not bilingual, so. <laughs> Hysterotomy. So mm. yeah, we used to call it Patty Martin C-section. So mm -hmm. now we have like this fancy title because trying to take a little bit of the dogma out of the, the name. Because mm. perimortem sounds pretty oh, deathly if you, if you want to say that sort of stuff, but using the word resuscitative hysterotomy sounds a little bit more oh, clinical maybe, but um, there's definitely some goals around that. Uh, and I think yeah, the language the, is really cool. Yeah, um, so yeah is that... I'm not doing just in someone, I'm not just opening someone dead. I'm trying to save both mom and baby. Mm. And it was interesting um, after that post, I'll tag it in this podcast, but there were some links for some people that had given some other stories, which is actually cool to read. Some other people that said, yeah, we did one here and the mom and bub survived or we did this and this happened. Uh, and I thought that was really cool. Like there was some even comments about like ONG couldn't do it, but the ED doc made a decision and really cool. If you read the threads of, big posts yeah. um there's some awesome stuff so shout out to yourself and the pre-hospitalist if you don't follow yourself or them i guarantee you should do it because there's some cool stuff there um let's run through the case what is an emergency hysterotomy so pretty much um you have a cardiac arrest in someone who's pregnant uh, usually we think about it if you can feel the uterus so uh, above the umbilicus so it would be around over 20 weeks pregnant because 
under that the baby has really no chance and the idea of taking the baby out is because we believe that um the the baby the placenta the liquid everything is compressing the aorta the vena cava mm -hmm. so when you get it out you get a better flow for the mom and you actually take something that is pretty much uh, pulling blood from the mom mm. uh, yeah you, you separate the patient and you can get get a better flow for the the mom and you can mm. work the baby so above uh, under 20 weeks the, the baby is so small the that probably this won't happen so it makes no doesn't make much sense and usually the baby won't survive under that age so yeah if you can feel the the uterus above the umbilical line you you think about it and okay. take the baby and work both baby and mom if you can wow so i guess recapping you you know said someone who's pregnant um past 20 weeks uh and then obviously in cardiac arrest um yeah. or yeah that which is crazy um have you i mean being an emergency physician we we get simmed on all these cases have you ever been simmed on this before have you ever you know heard about any of these cases before having this case yeah not really not in real life i mean there was like uh, i saw another brazilian emergency physician she had one i saw a, a post on uh, on instagram or what mm. or not but like a long time ago and i've seen a couple of videos and it was like the thing that was bugging me at night you know that yeah what if it's my turn you yes. know because it's rare but not too rare so mm. that's something i've been yeah i posted i had some highlights on it because i was discussing like six months prior the case i was already afraid of it yeah <laughs> which is interesting hey it's so good that like we're allowed to have those sort of like cases that pop up that we, you know, have thought about. I'm sure the other ones like a cricothyrotomy that where people are thinking, oh, I have never done a crack, but the person before me has on shift. And what if they go home and then I'm the one to cut, you know, front of access of the neck and, um, or, or some people just seem to get everything. You know, there's some people that you work with that you're like, Hey, have you done that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you're like, how did you get that? Oh, I don't know. Just so, um, interestingly enough, um, you'd read about it but never done one before. Um, and cool. Let's jump into the case. Um, tell me about your case. Where were you or not exact details, but um, tell me about what kind of day it was leading up to the actual patient. Yeah, it was uh, on shift on the helicopter service, but uh, we are a poor country. We have a lot of issues here and our helicopter was down for maintaining and we were with an RRV, rapid response vehicle, you know? Yep. And we got a call uh, that there was a, a woman, a pregnant woman, cardiac arrest. And I was like, yeah, you know how the dispatch is. I was yeah. like, yeah, maybe not. But we yep. had a, a BLS crew that arrived first and said, yeah, it's a cardiac arrest. And I was like, okay. Hey. I just got real. Then? <laughs> How did you feel then? You get you, you know, because often, like similar to Australia, you'll get the dispatch call, and it can be very different. You know, respiratory distress could be someone who's anxious, or vice versa. It could be 
you know, something else and turns out to be someone actually in full cardiac arrest. Um, so yes, when you got the confirmation. Like, dispatch was just like loss of consciousness and I was like, yeah, okay. So <laughs> it's okay, yeah. but it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and how far, is the, how far was the drive? Did you have to go far in the car while you're preparing? Yeah. Yeah. There was some issues, yeah, but we arrived uh, about 35 minutes after the call. Okay. So it was a rather long drive and we arrived like 10 minutes after the BLS crew. So okay. there was some 20 minutes of no crews on scene. Yep. So quite a long so, downtime. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it was a really long downtime. And if, if you get like the case reports and whatnot, they say, yeah, after 30 minutes, it's pretty much mm. zero chance, but... It's hard. So you're you pull up in the car. You've got your packs. Um, talk to me about going into the scene and, and what was it like? Yeah, well, when we were going, I was just like, yeah, I, I know what I have to do. Okay. I, um, but when we arrived, kind of shut it off. And if you think I don't, I think if you overthink it, you just don't do. You know. Yeah. Uh, we arrived, the BLS crew was working on the patient. I just looked at it and was like, yeah, it's a cardiac arrest. Yep. Uh, I, on the monitor, it was asystole. Okay. So I just opened the pack, got my scalpel, and went for the, the belly. Okay. Run, run me through yeah. just quickly before we start talking about what you did. Uh, Non-shockable rhythms during out during the whole process. Yeah, since yep. the the first crew arrived, no, no no shocks were delivered. Driving, you must have talked about the criteria for doing a emergency hysterotomy, and what is the criteria for you guys? So pretty much, it what we have of literature worldwide is like, you do the first cycle mm -hmm. if it's a witness arrest, and if in the first after two minutes the patient the the mom hasn't recovered, uh, got rosk you should start getting your stuff ready and the baby should be out five minutes after the cardiac arrest. So okay. it's pretty much be aggressive and be quick because the faster you do it, the better. They just don't say like in the first cycle because if you have like yeah. FVTV, maybe just a shock will be enough. But yeah. In the second cycle, you should be already getting your gear ready and get everything ready to to do it. Is is that because the chance of surviving cardiac arrest when you go on the trajectory becomes less for the mum as you go on those minutes? Yeah, for both, because yeah. as we said, the, the name changed and he, the, the reasoning is that when you get a baby out, you get better flow for the mom and you get mm. like better chance for both of them. Mm. Um, so the case reports we have like um, after 10 minutes, the chance for the mom is pretty much zero, but there is a chance for the kid and yeah. the kids up to 30 minutes or so. Wow. So that's uh, being aggressive pays out. That's, okay what we we see in case reports so you um then have gone through a bit of your criteria the patients met the criteria because they've been down for a while 
Um, yeah. I'm imagining you with yourself and a paramedic or another, some people um, to make no, the decision. Uh, our, our crew here, yeah. our ALS ambulances, we have a doctor, a yep. nurse, yep. and um, a driver that has some basic knowledge yep. of like um, BLS and what or not. Uh, and our BLS crews is a nurse technician, like has a two-year, it's not a paramedic per se, yep. and a, a driver. So yeah, we are poor country. We are mm. still getting our feet on the water. Uh, and there's a, a long way. Uh, there's a lot of room to improvement here. Had the nurse ever seen anything like this before? Uh, uh, talking after they had uh, like a few years ago in our own service, uh, mm. another case, but they they didn't do the hysterotomy. They worked the the mom. Okay. But um, yeah, in that case, the they got Rosk went to the hospital and a couple of hours later, mom had another arrest and didn't make it. So okay. both ended up dying. Mm, that's sad. And obviously to preface anyone listening that this stuff's obviously very serious and we're talking about, um, you know, that a high mortality rate for both the mom and baby in any of these cases. So if we get yeah, further yeah. on the case and you don't want to listen, maybe, you can switch it off now or you can come back and listen to it when you're in a better headspace. But for all those people like us clinicians, that this stuff is important because um, knowledge is important for us as clinicians to make good decisions and also to pre prevent poor patient outcomes down the track. Um, so you make a decision. Um, talk to me about what you did to prepare for it in terms of your, you know, equipment. Well, pretty much what you need is a scalpel. Okay. Mm, there's no need for much more than that uh okay and scissors because yep. one of the risks you have you have to open the the belly first the skin the subcutaneous and when you enter the uterus you have to be careful because if you get a, the scalpel you may cut the baby okay um, so usually the recommendation is like just do a little pinprick with the scalpel and get trauma shears and just open the uterus with your shears. Yeah, they're pretty good, the trauma shears. They can do, you know, even for um, yeah. full-on thoracotomies, they they cut, they're pretty like they're pretty good in terms of, you know, usefulness. Um, and where do you, anatomy-wise, where do you make your incision um, anatomy-wise? Uh, I know this is a serious thing, but go all the way from the chin to the toe you know it's okay. like, i'm just kidding but you you get the the um, uh, pubic open all the the belly uh, it's um medial incision and the patient is dead yep so you have to you can't it doesn't really matter if you get like a, a good funny steel with yeah. like good scaring. No, you just have to open it as quick as possible, get a good view of the uterus and what you're doing. And on the bright side, the uterus is uh, in front of the the bowel and all, all the other in, in structures. So when you cut the, the skin, the subcutaneous, you're already in the, the uterus. So there's yes. not a big risk of doing other getting other uh, structures mm, and run me through you so you you put your um you know obviously you got your scalpel in your hand 
Um, run me through what you saw when you made your incision. Yeah, uh, she was like uh, around 40 weeks pregnant. So it was one big belly, which helps. Yeah. Uh, so I just did a, the, yeah, like it's an aggressive uh, incision, you know, it's not the time to go plane by plane yeah. by plane. It's just like get it and go, go. open as with a one good movement and i think it was like two movements with the scalpel I was already seeing the uterus uh opened the the uterus got my shears open and well to complicate a little bit the the yeah. scene uh the um, placenta was anterior okay usually it's posterior, it's posterior. Or in, yeah uh so when i got my shears i opened and i was like what is this where am yeah. i you know this is not how it's supposed to look like yep but yeah i had to get my hand in the placenta and find the, the baby the nurse was um by my side and we got uh, the baby the baby was also in cardiac arrest okay yeah because that would be interesting too because you, you the placenta by that stage is pretty big like pretty decent size um, yeah and you, so you make you make the incision you see the placenta get a little bit startled uh, and then yeah. obviously move things around pull the baby out um and obviously the focus then changes from the mum to uh bub if you are in the beginning of like in the first few minutes and you have uh, you're in a big ed like a level four hospital mm. or you have like 20 people in the room you have the pdicu or yeah more crews to work you you can work both mom and baby but in this case we had like really small crew it was a big downtime for the mom mm -hmm. we chose to let let the mom go and work the baby because we believe there could be a chance for the, the baby yeah and that's that's a tough decision to make but i think what you said before is resources plays into it I've had have yeah. heard of cases where this stuff's happened in a hospital, but as you said before, you've got two separate groups, two separate resource bays, and two separate competing priorities in terms of our algorithms change to some degree. Our doses yeah. of drugs change, um, our tube sizes change, our laryngoscopes change. Everything's different. Um, yeah, I was the the only doctor, so here in Brazil, uh, airways intubation is like just for the doctors. Nurses can use. Uh, SGAs, but yep. it's not really common. Um, and yeah, it's it was doing a cardiac arrest. Uh, working a cardiac arrest is work intensive. It's yeah. so resource intensive. So mm. I chose to try to do one well done, then rather than two half-ass. Yeah, <laughs> which is a good thing to do. To, um, and obviously, you've done a couple of years or a lot of years to make those really, you know, firm decisions and to say, I've got to be aggressive in this approach, um, which, you know, I can commend you for too. You, you pull um, the baby out and then what did you do? What kind of things did you go through from that? The baby's in cardiac arrest. Um, what kind of things did you do from a um, clinical perspective? Yeah. The nurse started CPR. I had to get my gloves out, change gloves and go to my backpack and get the the baby stuff because yep. i had just the, the scalpel in my hand you know yeah so got to get the the resuscitation stuff the we started bagging the the baby and like 
in the second uh, cycle, like four minutes in or something, the nurse was like, hey, I got a pulse. And was like, nah, you didn't, you know? Yeah. I looked at her and was in my head, nah, it's it's your, you're, you're feeling your pulse. Mm. I got my stethoscope, but on the baby's chest and it was like, tum, 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 tum. I was, holy fuck, yeah, <laughs> we got Ross, you know? Yeah. And then, but the baby had no uh, respiratory drive, so had to intubate the, the baby. Yep. That's also something that we don't do every day. I was going to say, like, there's not many people that have, like, that's pretty fresh, you know what I mean? Like, you've pulled a, a baby out of the uterus, you've actually done a, uh, you know, you've had CPR, then you've got ROSC and then you've got to go, oh no, now I've got to actually tube yeah. with a very small tube, uh, and, um, you know, lighting or, you know, positioning. I mean, I don't know where you did it, if it was on the floor on a bed or. Um, it was on the floor of the the living room. Yeah. Okay. Heavy. And now uh, comes, uh, after this comes like the, probably the worst part, you know. Okay. The family was around not on the same room but they were the the husband and the father was in the in the house and i was like okay we got rosk i got the tubing we are getting like monitoring and what are not getting okay we are getting ready to transport the baby yep. now it's my time to go there and talk with the family okay sorry yeah trying to digest that is huge like um <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like for, for anybody, like, I mean, that's a lot of pressure on somebody, not only to make the decision to do the incision, but to make the decision to have a, a really difficult conversation, but time critical too, because you can't stay there forever to have, to let them spend time with their emotions. You've got to get moving for, you know, yeah. for the kid. How yeah. did you, what, what was the conversation like? How, what did you say? Uh I don't know, that's not mm. just like, well, we, we had to do this, this and that. Yep. I had to do a, a C-section. Um, she's dead, but the the baby, it was a baby boy. Yep. Uh, I saw his name on like one of the, uh, the house was already for oh. the, the delivery and yep. they had like the name on the door and was okay. like, well, he is alive. Yeah. So, but it was like emotion intensive. Oh man. After That's that, I, I had to go look for some powder oxygen or something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Just walk around. Yeah, I'm gonna get something in the, the car. Let, give me a couple of minutes to, to take a briefer. Oh man. That's a luck. Yeah. Um, and we, we know why this job does have really high rates of like burnout and um, stress and also you know, PTSD, all those sort of things, because you're making really big decisions, but then also at the drop of a hat. I mean, you, you can go from transporting someone who's got chest pain, who's, you know, to somebody who, you know, actually has died there and then at the scene. And, and for you, yeah. you've had to describe you know like someone preparing for a new a new person to come into their life their house is prepared their whole i mean this is someone that his partner that he would have spent a lot of time with and then you've got to make that decision yeah and, and as we discussed before we started recording i have a one-year-old at home so mm. it's, yeah it's he was 
a couple of months back then it was yeah even more emotional do that mm, sorry to hear about that man it's um most of the time yeah. when i talk to clinicians who have kids um when they you know when they um have their own kids and they deal with other pediatric deaths or they deal with even a it, it's tough like um i've got a mate who has a whenever he gets one in ed he gets a bottle of whiskey out and he goes i just have you know just find it difficult in those cases to um to manage and, and we all know that um when we're parents what it would be we don't know what it's like to be in their position but we definitely know the loss would just be so great um uh, yeah. yeah man that's heavy um and also there's obviously um definitely a debrief we'll talk about later there's a really important point of a big case is a yeah. debrief of people um because we don't know what people are going through um in relation to the child, um, access-wise, um, IOs, umbilines, what did you do in terms of you've got a tube in? Did you go, um, you know, just straight with a with a bougie, or what did you do for tubing? No, I didn't. I think we have the new. No, I think we just have the kids, the the infant bougie. Yeah, I went like for a straight blade and awesome. regular, just to you know. If First I recall class. well, I didn't even use the the scalpel. Yeah, it, it was just like the, the regular tube for. But but as an emergency physician, uh, I love my bougie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. I, I it's I think they're awesome. Hey, like you know, first pass success. Yeah, it's a good yeah, a good yeah. way to go. And in a high stress environment, why not put something that's going to go in through the cords and give you a you know at least guarantee that access point especially if you're trying to do cpr at the same time too that can be pretty pretty yeah, there there's some stuff that you just look back and it's like how did i do it i can't remember just know that i did it and yeah, yeah. Uh, i'm an atheist but sometimes I, I believe there was another hand in with mine <laughs> oh yeah 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 for sure a bit of extra support to, with the nerves <laughs> yeah um, so talk to me about you've got, I mean, obviously the difficult conversation you've had with um with a partner. Um, we'll talk about even yourself in all that case. You um load the child the child up uh in the car and you transport him to a local hospital. Um yeah, yeah, run me through that. a bit a bit of the journey from there onwards. Yeah, that's as I said, we lack a lot of resources, even though we are uh ham service, our cardiac monitor is like over 20 years old wow yeah it works we are trying to break the bastards and get a new one but yeah it refuses to break <laughs> i almost want to yeah but yeah I, I we don't have capno okay no so co2 no co2 just just so just color changes for co2 like nope. the little no nope not that I had what my my wife is um, trauma surgeon and works also on the same service. And we had bought one like from AliExpress. No way. But it broke. Yeah. <laughs> I want to send. So, yeah. I want to send you one. I want to send you one. <laughs> Anyone listening, uh, if you have CO2 stuff, I want to send it to you. Uh, <laughs> surely we can get some CO2. So yeah, we monitored as we could, but the baby with the wrapping and whatnot mm. the in the ambulance the 
you know, the, it's not the also the SPO2 with yeah. the little finger, it's yeah. not reliable. And it's a lot of interference in the monitor. And yeah. it was like, yeah, it's not a long journey. Let's do what we can and just go as fast, not as fast as we can, because we yeah. have like a small tube in a small kid. Yeah. But let's go and don't waste time in the, yeah. the scene anymore. But we, when we, we arrived, the, the baby was a little bit brady and mm -hmm. had to warm up. It was like getting hypothermia. Okay. So, yeah, there was no incubator in the, <laughs> in no. the scene. <laughs> it, yeah and who, who would have you know you like you said before we've got to remember that you you do what you do with what you have you know like you can only do what you, you know you can't flick your fingers and suddenly get all this stuff like um you know you, you've as you said before you, you've only got the resources that you have and you did an excellent job um okay. in making those decisions and you know doing what you've got you know we i think sometimes we forget people that work in hospitals we've got everything at our hands and we, we get sometimes even cranky when we don't have this or that, or why is this different, you know, but um, for yeah. you guys, man, you do it with two people and you're doing it. I literally, we had this patient arrest one day getting off with EMS like all, all from our paramedics and everyone's jumping around. I'm like, no, 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 let them go. They're up to their cycle. Let the paramedics run the next cycle. Cause I'm like, they've got it dialed in. There's not 20 people there. Let the two people who've already run through coached or run through your algorithm finish that off and then when they've done their next cycle we'll come across almost like, like we didn't need 20 people you know what i mean like sometimes there's too I, much i remember when uh, we have meds uh, med students in the ground ambo and mm. we had to work up a cardiac arrest and it was like pretty much four people me the yeah. nurse the driver and the, the student and yeah, by the end of the, we didn't got Rosk. So uh, on the debriefing, I was talking with the med student. So what did you think? He was like, well, it was just so fluid. Everybody knew what they had to do. Yeah. Sometimes in the hospital, you have too many people trying to do all at once. And with a smaller crew, you work every day. Sometimes it's it's easier. For sure. I agree. Eh? Sometimes you just need less people. <laughs> or, or the people <laughs> that have got really good intuition that walk into a recess and go, you guys don't need me, do you? And they go, they go next door. You know, they obviously realize that like there's too many. You know, yeah. too... I, don't, I don't know if you have or uh, have seen the. There's some resist base that they have like the the yellow circle yep. painted around. It's like if if you are not inside, shut up. Yep. No talking. See you later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we used to have one girl who I love. She used to come down and go, "You're not needed. You're not needed." Like it was just so good. Like in a nice way, but she was one of the trauma girls and she used to just like, nah, nah, nah. Yes, you're in. Yes, you're in. You're putting in the chest drain. Yep, you're in. You know, almost like picking the team when you're playing school sport. Like, I need you. I need you. I need you. No, sorry. Have a seat or stand behind yeah, the line. We need someone like that. <laughs> um, now, obviously, um, it's a pretty crazy case. Um, what have you learned from the case? What, um, obviously, survivability for Bub, what ended up happening for the baby? Did, um, that you know of so far yeah uh the baby is at home oh wow yeah uh let's see uh oh no way yeah i was uh, i was with my phone because of this so sorry but wow 
yeah, he has a, a trach and um, yep. um, gastrostomy, but we'll see. But he's at home with the yeah. dad. Okay. That's so crazy. Wild, like, yeah, it's absolutely wild. I, I thought, you know, 35 minutes rest was like, okay, we're, we got Rosk. Maybe we can, you know, donate the organs or something. Hopefully, you know, mm. but no, the baby, th those little things are resilient, man. Mm. So true. Hey? Okay. Getting the, how did you feel when you got the video through from, or when you heard back to say that the baby was alive? Yeah, it's, it's like, it's crazy, man. There's no way to, to express the, the words like, well, you know, there's a lot of cases where you think, yeah, it could be anyone doing this job. You know, I did a, an okay job, but mm -hmm. yeah, any other doctor would have like done the same. This is one of the cases that I was like, yeah, I think if it wasn't me, probably the, this kid wouldn't be alive, you know? Yeah, and I think that's really good to be aware of that sort of stuff because um, we need to be aware of it and give ourselves a pat on the back when we make good decisions and then when we can I, I did a case with someone who did a pericardial synthesis and there was a lot of people sort of making oh we should do this and she's like nah let's go bang just straight in there like didn't shout out to you Courtney um you know just straight in there you know and those people that pull the trigger at the right time um it, it's timely you can't sit there and wait and sort of oh you gotta make a decision yeah um, uh, but like going off topic but as we met uh, Instagram and with all these resources and seeing a lot of these cases it's not it's quite easy to go on the imposter syndrome and think yeah there's a lot of great people doing great stuff out there what am I doing you know mm. I, I'm yeah I should just like go sell stuff on the beach and <laughs> yeah. not work in a, in EMS, you know, there's just so many great people and you, you see like every day you open Instagram, you see like people giving great lectures and yeah. great tips and you're like, how didn't I, I know that, you know, yeah. wh what kind of doc am I? Because mm. uh, as you said, sometimes you have to, yeah, I'm not too bad, I guess. Bro, you're amazing. <laughs> Look, <laughs> Look I, we were talking, I was talking to a guy from uh, Australian Hems yes yesterday and we talked about i said look if you put me in a high stress situation I, I can't pull the trigger i know that like but i but i definitely can empower others to make those decisions you know what i mean and i'm glad i'm not the person cutting but i'm there you know next to the person handing the equipment saying let's go let's go you know um yeah. and i think that's important that we have a team but it's really important to give yourself a pat on the back and realize and i think on the insta too correct me if i'm wrong bro there's a lot of things out there that I don't know, man. Like, you don't know what that person's like to work with. You don't know what they're... They might Absolutely. throw a two-minute smack talk or a two-minute talk, like a real quick TED talk that's awesome, but they could be a massive Muppet when you hang out with them. And you know what I mean? Like, I think it's better to be... Um, a, I say it's a lot like being a, a private success, but you know, like people want to be a public success, but you don't want to be a private failure. Uh, and the mad thing is that your family like you, that the people that work with you enjoy you. Um, and dude, hopefully after this podcast, people hear your stuff and can send you some stuff because i think you are awesome and dude i just think man i'll take my hat off to you um i think you're an amazing human um who made some great decisions and i think you're still 
uh, you should keep doing what you're doing. Don't change, all right? <laughs> Thanks, mate. Uh, on a side note, there was like on a forum some time ago about like TACMED and what or not. And uh, I, I got a, a care pack from some dudes in, in the United States uh, with like some, some stuff that we, we don't get here that like we can find here, but they are bloody expensive and yep. like decompression needles that are quite cheap but for us like 10 times the price they pay in the usa so we don't have in our service but the problem is that our fda sometimes doesn't like the, the, yeah it's just get on the post and they say yep this won't come in the 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 mail you know so mm. but we always can circumvent some stuff yeah let's let... <laughs> After the podcast, we'll chat about how we can find other ways. <laughs> <laughs> cool stuff. Oh, for sure. Um, and dude, um, just in learning, what were some of the learning points for you as a clinician? So like you're an emergency doctor, you're a HEMS, dude, you've seen some awesome cases. Um, but what did you learn specifically from this case um, for yourself? Yeah, man, I think that the you have to trust what you, you've studied, what you've trained and like, if you know what you have to do, just do it. Okay. You know, I'm I'm not Nike, but <laughs> just do it. <laughs> you also get the Nikes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, uh, I, I'm pretty known by my dad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> no, bro, they're good. I'm join the club, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that like uh, sometimes, yeah having you know doubt doubting yourself like having second thoughts sometimes you have to but yeah sometimes you just have to get in and do it and don't overthink because if you overthink you are in the risk of getting uh, uh, thought paralysis and just mm. don't do anything so just go for it you know there's a lot of stuff if you go another like traumatic arrest also it's like it's a beast of its own and you have mm. to stick the finger in the in it and that kind of stuff that you know being aggressive you see good results how did you um did you did they review the case and did you get people that did you get much people that had reached out to you after the case yourself yeah it was somewhat funny because here in brazil we use a lot of whatsapp you know, yep. the, oh, I'd use it all the time. Oh, okay. Yeah, because my sister, um, it's good for sending video content to like overseas people, um, like mates in Africa or in, in over in Europe. I always WhatsApp videos. It just works better. Yeah. Uh, we have like groups for everything, you know, like there's the, the job group, the family group. And I yep. got like some, we had a, a group from some guys that, used to work in the ambulance that already left and but not and they just sent hey who was the doc that did this because i just heard it the people in the, the hospital are talking about and blah 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 and i was like yep it was me they were like whoa wow, wow. so it was you know on the same day we had like a people talking about it and saying hey the the guy in the, in the ambulance really did something saved the, the kid and you know, a lot of people wouldn't do and what so it was there was some local repercussion and pretty awesome do, do you yeah. ever get any like when you make those big decisions 
does anyone ever give you negative feedback? Did anyone ever, I'll, and sorry to ask, cause I always find like, there's always there's people that like, you know, oh, you know, there's always, you, you get what I mean? There's always one person that has a negative comment, you know, or, you know, did you get any of that? Yeah. Um, our job is like, we're a small crew. We yep. pretty much have a, a good contact. Um, I don't think we have much of naysayers. That's good. But uh, also uh, sidetracking, but my wife is a trauma surgeon. So uh, one of the greatest adventure advantages I have is having a dick. Yeah. Being white and having a dick makes life <laughs> much easier for yeah, us. No, it's like people, okay, he's, he has some white hair. He's a man, so he probably knows what he's doing. Mm. And, dude, it's an interesting point. Like, it, it's a, uh, you know, and it's sort of sad, too, that if if it was, would it, would it have been if it was someone else not being rid of us, your wife making the decision, would there have been people that have said, oh, you know, shouldn't yeah. have happened or, and it it's, sucks, like, doesn't it? Like, it shouldn't happen. It shouldn't matter what color our skin is or what anatomy we've got if we make the decision to, follow our guidelines in relation to best resuscitative practice. And it should be just, that's it. It's Absolutely. done. Yeah. Um, but you raise yeah. a good point, man, because it culture and those sort of things have a huge impact on it. And um, uh, I think even the fact that you got the video of the baby should be a really good testimony to say, and you know, like, like what you said, you don't know what's going to happen down the track. Um, but that's a chance for him as a dad to, to hold his baby. And um, that was part of the mom as well in terms of, their DNA and it'd be awesome in terms of that sort of thing. So uh, I think you've done yeah. an amazing job, dude. Um, going forward from here, um, you know, resources, if people want to read about resuscitative history or like any of this sort of stuff, send me some links maybe to any, yeah, is there any sort of recommendations you recommend reading? Yeah. Uh, the, the best stuff uh, I've seen, it's from Sarah Gray. She's yeah. an emergency physician. There are, I think, two or three videos. One from Smack, yep. Another from, uh, damn, I forgot what was the the conference name, but I'll I'll send you the links. But yes, link. both both videos are just amazing. They do in the middle of the the stage, like with the the mannequin, and yep. it's just amazing. It's cool, eh? And for anyone that wants to get in contact with you. Um, for anyone out there listening, um, anyone that's, yeah, that wants to get in contact with you, um, how would they do it? How's, what's the best way? Uh, I think Instagram is cool. the easiest way. And it's at doc, D-O-C dot R-E-S-E-N-E-R, Reisner or Reisner. Reisner, so yeah. That's my, yeah, that's my last name. So that's me. Yeah, I reckon um, I'm going to put a link in it. I'm going to put a little photo up today to for people to follow you. Um, I love your stuff, man. And I think you got some really cool um, insights and I do really appreciate your time. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for coming on, dude. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. the invitation. <laughs> Stay till the morning. Tell me you want it. You know I go on and on. All the cool stuff just from chatting to um, Gil, just even in relation to, you know, the equipment they've got and also just, you know, the resources that they have. 
um, but being able to do a really good job and just rely on evidence-based practice in relation to resuscitative care. I thought that was really awesome. Um, I just love the fact that, um, you know, he sort of talked about, you know, the challenges that everyone faces in, in you know, in pre-hospital care and especially uh, where he was in Brazil, just there'd be just some different challenges. Um, but in the end, it's still the same type of medicine, which I think is really awesome. Uh, on a side note, I'd love to see the HEMS crew from around the world get together uh, just to see what they could do in relation to some of this stuff. Um, yeah, I just thought it was really cool chatting to him and just, you know, I love his humility in relation to the case, you know, just sort of doing what he had to do um, because that's what he's called to do as a doctor and I just thought that was really cool. Oh, you listen to the podcast and really enjoy it. Uh, send him a message on Insta. I think he'd really enjoy it. Um, and there's some, I thought this episode was absolutely excellent and um, I really loved it. I hope you guys did too. You. The EDGM podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners on the land on which this recording is occurring today, the Darawal people, and pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging. <laughs>